0: This podcast, Scott Harrison, CHRO at Valparaiso University, talks about the fabric of a learning organization. So stay tuned. So welcome everyone to another episode of Jobs of Future podcast. Today we have with us uh, Scott Harrison, who is a chief uh, human resource officer at Valparaiso University. Uh, A brief bio, so he's an accomplished human resource practitioner, leader, strategic business partner, and change agent. Highly skilled in employee relations, organizational development, interpretation of HR performance metrics, and regulatory compliance. Other key focus areas include total uh, employee wellness, diversity, inclusion, and employee training. And uh, he has a JD uh, in administrative law, labor and employment law from Thomas Cooley Law School and BA in communications from Michigan State University. And uh, with that said, Scott, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you, it's great to be here.
0: Great, so I think, um, so one thing um, that fascinated me about your profile, and and we we talked briefly uh, before this conversation as well, was um, your background is uh, in employment law, labor law, and and administrative law, and, and your journey to an institution that has a significant role, uh, if not less, in preparing folks who will impact the, the jobs of future. So if you can walk us through your journey, um, that will be really, really helpful.
1: Certainly. I, um, I actually began my, my professional career working in, as an occupational safety uh, manager uh, uh, in a uh, food processing uh, facility. and. Um, that's really where I started to uh, really understand the relationship between people and the work that they do, people and uh, their and their coworkers or the company that they that they work for. and I wanted to have a uh, a broader scope of influence over uh, over that. and so um human resources had had really been uh uh the goal uh if you will at the time that I that I shortly after I started my professional career um I, I went to law school uh the same way a, a number of my uh colleagues would have uh, chosen to pursue their MBA um and the thing that that um I got out of law school was uh, was really twofold understanding the law helps in in understanding the mechanics of uh working in human resources, but the the problem solving or the problem analysis uh, skills that you develop in law school translate very well into uh, a a a profession that deals with um that deals with people and and relationships so uh that's that's kind of how i i uh launched my maiden uh voyage into uh human resources uh i returned from law school to my uh employer in a human resources director position um and of course the learning did, didn't stop there um, my transition to higher education, the higher education industry, um, was, was really one of uh, passionate interest. I'd been exposed to higher education uh, through most of my life. Um, and uh, uh, so when an opportunity came up, and ironically, that opportunity was with uh, my alma mater, Thomas Cooley Law School. Um, I jumped at the op- at the chance to uh, to take that position on and as I got into higher education and, and learning more of the, the details and the nuances in higher education uh, that really prepared me to transition to my current role uh, in a uh, uh, you know fully uh, 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 you know, for a university where there were many different subjects, many different departments, and so on.
0: Interesting. And 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 if you can walk us through your current role, like what what does really uh, uh, a chief human resource officer at uh, a university? What are some of the roles that that what day to day look like? That will be really helpful. We'll resume after a short break. This part of the podcast is brought to you by First Friday Fair fastest AI powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Well,
1: um, very briefly, uh, it, I, I, I think I describe uh, you know, my work as as being involved in, in all facets of uh, uh, the employment relationships we have with with our employees, whether they are uh, professors, whether they are staff members uh, working in a particular support department, working in a particular business office, um, the uh, so it 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 ranges uh, it ranges widely. Um, now, what goes into those uh, HR or into those employment relationships? Um, is influenced by our approach to recruiting, mm-hmm. our strategic plan, um, the uh, uh, the objectives of the university, uh, legal compliance with with uh, uh, both state, federal law, um, administrative laws. Uh, so those those things all influence how we shape. The, the culture. And in fact, one time I I did a uh, presentation for a uh, student SHRM group uh, talking about HR as the keeper of the employment culture. Mm. And so in a nutshell, that's really mm. what what we do, both the, the tactical and the strategic.
0: Interesting. I think I couldn't have said any better. I, and, and I do appreciate sharing your perspective there. So, um, I think one thing that, uh, as I said previously as well, that I'm fascinated about um, about sort of this conversation uh, was primarily um, the very aspect of your role in an institute uh, institutions that has a significant role in preparing us for the future of work. Right. So if you can if you can walk us through some of the challenges or some of the or, or some of the trends that you're seeing um, in when when you are doing employment or when you're Sort of considering the employment or or the workforce planning for something like an institute that prepares this knowledge that help others. What would it look like? Uh,
1: that's a that's a great question, and it 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 could uh, involve a lot of different uh, uh, a lot of different answers. Let me see if I can kind of narrow it down a little bit. Um, the 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 first challenge, I, I think that that we. That we try to uh, that we're trying to address is um, what are the uh, uh, what are the future jobs going mm. to look like? What what skills? What what um, uh, what thought processes are going to be necessary for students uh, emerging uh, as graduates from our, our university? Um, and, and we couple that with the question of how far out do we look, how far out can we, can we plan? Um, the, the technically speaking, the things that, that we look at are, um, what types of jobs will there be in the future? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we, how do we incorporate the technology, which is is really the driver for what uh, the future of employment looks like. how do we incorporate those things into our uh, educational delivery model? So we're we're confronted really with two sides of the two sides of the coin. We're trying to prepare people for jobs of the future, and we're trying to prepare our uh, people today, to continue to deliver that type type of education or that type of message to the people in the future. It's important to remember that that whether we're talking about professors or whether we're talking about support staff, uh, that they too are employees and their jobs are changing Mm. right along with other jobs into the future.
0: Interesting. And I think um, when you was uh, describing that, I think one thing that I was thinking about was um, previously you talked about that as an HR uh, executive, your role is also to sort of um, preserve the culture of the institution um, that that you represent, and then you get the employment, um, uh, sort of employees in it. So in, in in an educational institution, right? So we are seeing. There's a lot of disruption through technology, right? We are seeing online courses, and and the universities has been primarily focused on four-year, two-year templates, like some of the very traditional programs, semester and, and what and whatnot, and very culturally inscribed into all the template of how even our learning to 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 a certain degree is influenced with that template. So when you as as a as a bridge between that cultural perspective of uh, a traditional way to learn tackles with your technical aspect of embracing technology in educating. How do you how do you make that balance? Um, if you can, if you can walk us through that.
1: Well, that's a great question, and it it sort of presumes that 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 we actually find a balance mm. in that. And mm. I think that's, and I don't mean that to to sound uh, cavalier. Mm. Where we, we are um, uh, we're constantly struggling with that um, the 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 most immediate thrust is is to understand what the what the not only the needs, but the expectations are of uh, our student customers mm. to put it in to put it in business terms. Mm. Um, and uh, likewise, to to anticipate or to figure out how advancing technology can be can be harnessed or shaped to improve maybe the delivery of the uh, of the educational uh, programs, maybe to um, uh, more effectively uh, deliver the educational programs, uh, and, and, and I don't know that there's, that there's any one answer, um, that, that any institution is going to settle on. Those are the things that, that are debated, um, uh, and will be debated into the, uh, into the future. Um, uh, the, the, I think the biggest challenge for, Many institutions, higher ed institutions, is to overcome um, the the traditional concepts uh, or some of the traditional trappings of uh, of a university uh, or a college. Um, those being um, those being sort of the what I call ivory mm. ivy covered wall mm. images. Excuse me. That we that we continue to perpetuate when, in fact, um, many younger people today—the traditional age students—and and I'll and, uh, speak in a minute about why why that or how that is changing. Mm-hmm. But traditional age students um, students who are 18 to 23 years old who are coming into uh, college or university for the first time. Um, they don't have that. They don't have that that concept because, mm. as you as you correctly point out, there is um, there are institutions out there that provide online learning. Online learning is becoming an essential component in almost any uh, higher education institution, um, and technology is advancing other things. Other delivery mechanisms that uh, that that professors, many professors today, those who are mid-career or later career, had no appreciation of when they when they started, and so they they struggle sometimes to to figure out where and how we introduce these uh, uh, these technologies into. Uh, Into the classroom. Um, So I don't have a a a really concise or really Mm. short answer that summarizes that. that. Those are things that those are debates that continue to. go on in in the universities
0: interesting so um and thank you um so much for walking us through that uh, the other perspective i think about uh, when i draw a parallel from say a, an education institution with uh, a big conglomerate that had that is preparing their workforce to this latest trend and uh, ensuring that um i think so whatever university does to a society to keep them ahead in what's going to happen if we draw a parallel to a, say a, 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 a company like ibm or ge like ginormous companies who have um, um this university focus as well like who wants to make make sure that their employees are at the top of their game or, or who are sort of they understand that the change in the trends what are some of the learnings that that you think they could learn from an educational institutions in, in 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 drawing sort of in ensuring that their workers are always um, at the best of the game we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job let's get back to the podcast
1: well that's a that's a great question um and um i i don't think it's so much about what those uh, institutions whether or those excuse me those organizations whether we're talking about a, a, a General Motors a, a, a um, uh, you know, any large. other any other large mm-hmm. uh, organization I don't think it's so much about what they can learn as it is about uh, how they can help shape uh the future of their employees one of the things that uh has been tested and there's a there's a lot of um uh there's a lot of uh literature out right now and and a lot of a, a fair number of uh uh champions of of uh, skills training and and uh teaching people trades. And and things like that. Um, there there have been a number of uh, uh, instances where business has partnered with um, colleges and universities to help formulate actual mm-hmm. programs. And there's a trade-off that the um, uh, the uh, uh, the. The employer has a certain uh, mm. has certain level of investment in it, uh, but also makes certain assurances about the numbers of people that they can that they can hire or take from that uh, from that program. Uh, we saw that in um, uh, in um, some test cases in in North Carolina, where mm. where companies were actually partnering with. Uh, community colleges, or or and we've seen it. In truth, we've seen it for a long time. Um, larger corp, large corporations uh, partnering through through grants, through uh, other uh, research contributions with um, major universities, but driving it down to um, uh, to all colleges and all. Universities, I think, is is one way that the the um, that all businesses will in the future uh, benefit from uh, uh, the the graduates who are coming out of uh, whatever institution you're talking about
0: interesting i think so you're you're raising a very critical point and i think and i i do appreciate appreciate you jumping on this so um i think one of the thing that i uh, as an entrepreneur um, i have my own company that i run uh, and i find a problem with sort of when i talk to a university or a local university in boston um, so if i want a talent right i want it now Maybe in next seven days, maybe in next twenty days, or whatever, right? And I want them to be trained, right? And I don't have a setup to educate uh, and empower these workers, right? I don't have a setup to. If even if I I talk to a lot of com- uh, executive at, at bigger companies, they share the same concerns. But then when I talk to institutions, um, I I think I remember one of my one of my recent conversation. I was talking to one of, local university in, here in Boston, and they said, hey. Um, we can launch a course, um, a six months course that probably will get some people sort of in this particular template. I and I was telling them, hey, I hope you say that, okay, because you guys are the maestro uh, in educating people. You understand the education business. You you understand what all techniques and technologies needs to work together to educate and empower a worker. But now businesses has to take upon themselves to educate, and businesses are lousy when it comes to education. they're not in the business of educating, right? They're in the business of executing. So, from your vantage point, um, what's your perspective? Number one on that, and number two, do you see it happen or uh, happening in future where uh, university will be closely aligned with even companies in in delivering them work or uh, sort of prepared workers uh, in in some de- in some degrees.
1: Uh, abs- absolutely. Um, let me let me back up just a little bit in your analysis. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, I think it's fair to say that that most companies um, struggle with uh, training and developing their their uh, their employees. They're not. That's not what they're in business mm-hmm. for, for one thing. Um, by by and large, hmm. um, a, at the same time, um, there are some very successful examples of hmm. of uh, companies who do educate their employees. Corporate universities that that um, educate their employees not only on processes that are important to those particular uh, their particular. Uh, organization, but even more uh, general processes. You look at Walt Disney World and and the Walt Disney Institute, mm. um, wh- which which can uh, teach about concepts that that translate across industries. Um, McDonald's Corporation and Hamburger U. Um, uh, people who have have gone through those processes. That The general sense is, going through those educational programs, the general sense is, yes, um, they're going to be um, the most outstanding McDonald's employees uh, and managers and supervisors uh, that, that are out there. And they will stay with the organization for potentially their entire career. But those that don't can still use those skills. Uh, as, a, um, uh, as a bona fide for their ability to manage in, in other types of uh, organizations or other types of uh, uh, companies. Um, it, it very much depends on who the companies are or where, where they want to translate those skills or transfer those skills. Uh, but, but nonetheless... Those are examples of organizations that, mm. that have some outstanding internal training programs. And I do think that, that companies need to make assessments about um, what things they uniquely need to train their uh, employees on. There is, there's always going to be a component of training uh, with, with any employee coming into an organization for the first time. Um, uh, the question is, how much of it will they need? How specific does it does the training need to be, and so on? But moving further into your uh, into your analysis, yes, I I absolutely believe that that um, we are going to see a growth in. Um, uh partnerships between between colleges universities and and private business um, to prepare um, uh, to prepare future employees
0: hmm. or
1: prepare students to be future employees in those organizations
0: we'll resume after a short break this part of the podcast is brought to you by first friday fair fastest ai powered way to find your next opportunity. Check out the website firstfridayfair.tao.ai and find your next dream job. Let's get back to the podcast. Interesting. And, and uh, let's talk about um, how you as an HR executive for an institute, your work has changed uh, when it comes to, say, uh, previously, considering how the education is changing. Right, so there was a there was a generational perspective uh, in in education. What are some of the things that that you see, or some of the trends that you are seeing uh, in 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 education, uh, and and the requirement of the talent uh, to educate uh, this 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 sort of new trend and phenomena? How what are some of the changes that you are seeing uh, that that you can walk us through?
1: Well, fortunately, I think. Um, uh, I think when we when we bring in um employees who are just starting in their careers mm. they bring a lot of the uh a, a lot of the knowledge that we that we want them to have they bring it with them um uh, I think our biggest um the biggest focus that we have is is um, in most cases is less on on education. We want to certainly see education in a uh, in a field rel- relative to the uh, uh, what the employee is is being hired to do. Hmm. Um, but we look we look um, equally at uh, at experience particularly in in the non professorial roles Mm. um you know what what have they what have they learned how have and and where have they learned um some of the 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 relationship skills
0: Mm. uh
1: that are necessary if they don't have the if they don't have the technical skills we'll ferret that out fairly quickly but um But having the relationship skills, understanding the role that they are uh, seeking to undertake in the organization and where it fits and how it fits within the organization, can they talk intelligently about um, how that role will contribute to the institution, to the university, and are they familiar with, um, you know, newer technologies, Um, uh, are they, uh, are they willing to, um, are they willing to be change agents really? Mm. Um, uh, we don't want to hire people. And I think, I think organizations occasionally, uh, see this and they sort of accommodate for it. And that's the idea that, uh. An, an employee who starts out in a in in a particular role twenty years ago, mm. um, they get comfortable with it, and um, they they get to a point where they don't want that role to change, um, or they're not willing to change mm. that role, and so they they sort of stagnate. and And organizations, I think, have to be very Mindful that that we can't allow employees to bottle to to clog the uh uh clog the path to progress hmm. by by being unwilling to change or by um, not embracing change as a natural part of employment
0: interesting I think so. That's a very very interesting um, uh, thought and I think before the interview we were talking about your perspective on generational sort of uh, getting generational perspective to figure out business um, sort of uh, how how the generational perspective is critical for uh, maintaining or sustaining the business's future. So if you can walk us through uh, that thought that would be amazing.
1: Well, yeah I think that's uh, that is probably the, the one of the most challenging and and i think previously overlooked areas in in, in business uh, um, uh, we're starting to see more and more consideration of this but but it, um, it, oftentimes it is presented in in seminars or 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 uh uh, in workshops as um thinking about the the three or four generations that make up the workforce today uh the um and and what are the what are the differences in their in their understandings but what we don't really talk about are ways to overcome those uh ways to overcome those differences or the the need to overcome uh those differences and by overcome i mean uh we have to we have to uh collate those those differences um in in order for the organization to continue to move forward we tend to think of uh uh, and in many cases, this is true mm. the 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 hiring manager is uh is probably uh of a generation ahead of mm. the the employee or the candidate who is applying for the job now and and when we look at some of the um, characteristics that that go along with uh generational differences, for example, we like to uh we like to uh engage with people or hire people or work with people who look like us who think like us, who sound like us, who have shared interests who uh, um, uh, sort of reflect back ourselves in themselves and the um uh and and that's something that we need to. <clears throat> excuse me, that's something that we need to be on guard for against. Um, And that's not to say that, that, that uh, one generation needs to surrender its ethics or its uh, um, uh, business uh, opinions um, uh, based on, based on what another generation thinks, but they have to be open to the idea that they're, their ethics or their, their processes, their opinions, uh, will be challenged and they have to be open mm. to the idea that they could be changed, um, to, to a more modified, uh, position because we can't, uh, and, and it works it works that way, regardless of of whether the hiring manager is a generation ahead or a generation behind the, uh, the the person who's applying for the job or the person who is reporting to them uh, in in a traditional organizational structure, um, because that leads to that leads to stagnation. If you're absolutely unwilling to change, if you haven't accepted that that the future is inevitable. Whatever the future is, the future is inevitable because time is going to march on um, that um, uh, then if you haven't accepted that then an organization is going to stagnate and one of the things that I that gets the most um, uh, the strangest looks mm. from from people is is not when you tell um, you know a more senior generation hey you have to be." open to uh the ideas of of younger employees it's that the Mm. strangest looks come from the younger employees when when i remind them you're going to be obsolete at some point in time as well Mm. and many of them it, it was a very interesting um it was very interesting to watch um Uh, Mark Zuckerberg uh, testified before uh, before the Congressional Committee, uh, because when we just to give an idea of how fast time flies and how uh, how the future is, is in the next moment, Hmm. the. when you consider that in two thousand and four he was twenty years old and he when he launched Facebook and everybody hailed him as as uh, a child prodigy and 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 rightly so um, but but today he's thirty two years old he's a billionaire mm. he has two kids and he's testifying before a congressional committee of people who are one two or three generations mm. ahead of him true. And so we can we can look at the dynamics, look at how he testified, what were the concerns of the people who were on the panel, and do the do generations that are uh, coming up behind him do they have those same concerns? Uh, where has his um, has his perspective shifted as he has uh, as he has gotten? Um, More mature and more uh, experienced, and when we look at things like that, and we can translate that into our individual businesses, when we start really taking uh, uh, taking those things into consideration, then I think we can start addressing the 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 loggerheads that we come to between generations.
0: Interesting. No, I think, uh, by the way, beautiful point. And I think, uh, so one thing that I was, I was thinking about, uh, your emphasis on relationship, right? So uh, when I talk to, say, other um, HR executives, and and in fact, when I talk to other universities uh, who I'm aff- uh, sort of affiliated with in some ways, uh, I had this constant sort of uh, uh, converse- or discussion about them is about the online and offline. And their emphasis was hey, Vishal, doing an offline course would give, give, give these guys a kind of a, a relationship building movement that would be missing when it comes to online courses. Sure, they'll get their content uh, delivered to them. Sure, it will be exciting, If uh, it will be more exciting than, than an offline template. But what would be missing is the, their appreciation of diversity in that room, their appreciation of interpretation of the same content uh in in 17 different ways delivered to 17 students in the same class and their interpretation and understanding that there are sort of those you have to be inclusive in those conversation and that was that 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 sort of brought that that aha moment for me that yeah yes when technology is making things really convenient for us it's actually taking us away from the very aspect that made us relevant to begin with so as, as as an HR executive, like how do you how do you sort of balance that out, or how do you restore uh, that particular a- aspect of um, you, you said generational perspective, or are you, you also said about sort of inclusion of thoughts and, and ideas? What are some of some of some of your thoughts of fixing this?
1: Well, I don't know that it that it necessarily can or needs to be needs to be fixed. Uh, it is the way that the the, the future is going. Um, um, but let me let me say this: I the more that we create um, it, from a from a purely HR perspective, from a purely employment. Uh, relationship perspective. The 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 more we can provide um, self help mechanisms or self mm. uh, uh, service mechanisms, um, I think we I, I think we learn and adapt to different perspectives and different. Mm. Um, uh, ideologies uh as they relate to the employment relationship um the the fact is i i don't know how we how we back up the clock to uh, a time when um interpersonal relationships are the norm or where we get the the um, where we can reacquire the value of those interpersonal relationships, um, about the only uh, about the only way we can do it is to reinforce our own beliefs that those things are that those things are important and demand that if somebody wants a particular... Uh, experience that that or that we demand if somebody needs a particular experience that they experience it through our organization so we maybe there are classes that we do not offer uh, Mm. as online classes for example Mm. Um, if that if that direct human contact if we value that Uh, Then then we have to be able to force it uh, on onto people because the 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 current um, cultural direction Mm. is more and more online and 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 with good reason. And and there are many values that that uh, valuable things that come out of that Um, technology has. Has significantly shrunk the world, um, uh, and as it shrinks the world, we we need to understand we have more and more interdependence on, on each other. Um, at the same time, I think it I think it begs the question: What are we placing our interdependence on? Are we placing it on the online presence? Or are we placing it in the person who is represented by the online presence? Hmm. Uh, it's a, it, it's a, it's a very challenging thing.
0: Interesting. Wow. So, um, interesting. So I think one thing that uh, let's talk about, we are, we are on, on, on a technology. So let's stick to for that uh, for a few more minutes. So you talked about, um, Sort of the technology impact in, in 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 our day-to-day work functioning and and, and our uh, ability to function as as workers. So now let's let's talk about work-life balance. Um, that's something as, as a natural executive that's in your vantage also to ensure that the workers they remain sort of uh, they maintain a healthy work-life balance so they can deliver a maximum outcome. They remain happy and all that. So now, tell us how is um advancing technology impacting the work-life balance from your vantage point and what are some of the ways uh, that you could or or, what's your thought on that
1: well um i i think we have to i i think technology has shifted the paradigm of Hmm. work-life balance um traditionally when we talked about work-life balance when it when it was really um, it, sort of an emerging idea, um, it, it was at a time when um, you would get up, you'd go to work, you, you know, you'd drive to work, you'd, you'd work your shift, whatever, uh, whatever hours uh, were necessary to work. You'd leave work, drive home, eat dinner, watch some television. And if you wanted to spend more time than that with your family, um, uh, you would go on vacation. Hmm. The, the, the question was disengaging from the burdens of work in order to focus on other things that were important in, in your life. Well, Technology has changed that entire uh, paradigm, and it, it's been changing it for for some years now. Um, so that there is a blend. It's hard to tell in some cases whether or not somebody is working or somebody is taking care of personal business. Mm. Um, you know, th- we. Uh, um, I encourage employers to. to Factor those things in uh, as a means of um, making or generating a more productive workforce, as opposed to somebody taking, you know, three or four hours off from work in order to attend a doctor's appointment or to to conduct banking or to uh, get a prescription. If the if the technology is available for them to get online and do their banking or do um, even some social things for you know for a few minutes during what would traditionally be mm. called their break period or something like that, then let them do that. Mm. That keeps them in the workplace, or it keeps it makes them immediately available when they get that, when they get that concluded, it makes them immediately available to pick right up where they left off uh, and, and the work, the workflow continues. Now that's just one example, but I, I, what has become the norm today, I think in, in most organizations is that somebody will be carrying their little smartphone with them Mm. And so it doesn't matter if I am uh, attending a Tiger ball game on, uh, on a Saturday afternoon or I am traveling on vacation in Europe. I can conduct business simultaneous mm. with, with, the, uh, uh, with the pleasure. And likewise, I can simultaneously conduct pleasure or personal business at the same time that I'm sitting in the office. So we've, we've really lost the, uh, the, the clear distinction mm. between what time is, is work time and what time is, uh, personal time. And we're taking, uh, we're disengaging from work in, in shorter, in short bursts mm. interwoven with, Short bursts of time being engaged with work. Interesting. Now that, Interesting. that does that does that doesn't apply obviously to all jobs in all uh, mm. industries, but we are seeing more and more and more of that.
0: Interesting. So, and good and, point. And yeah. the,
1: the further the further technology advances we will see that more and more even in industries that uh or areas that cannot right now sustain that
0: Hmm.
1: manufacturing for example um uh we will we will achieve a time where um people will get on their smartphones and um or some other device and be able to program uh the the uh the robot at their workstation
0: mm. to perform some work interesting interesting so um, great so on that on, on sort of how the impact of technology and its impacting how we work at function today i definitely want your perspective on an interesting thought so uh, and the thought is um does HR owns the employability of its workers? So, if suppose right now we know technology is changing rapidly, it's everything is going under disruption, right? So, if I I get employed um, in a company and very soon I became obsolete, so who should be? So, does HR um, ensures that I as an employee remain employable? Uh, whether I'm working or not, so what, what's your perspective on that?
1: Well, I, I, the 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 first thing that I would say is it it depends on what aspect of you is becoming obsolete. Mm. Um, we we will. My hope mm. is that we will all, always have. Um, a need for knowledge workers and Mm. that and that knowledge workers will be the the jobs of the uh, of the future in other words Mm. they they will um what they will bring to the table is an understanding of uh some things that 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 technology cannot substitute for um assessing quality um Uh, Assessing changing dynamics in um, in the marketplace. Um, Assessing um, uh, the, you know, momentary changes that -hmm. are necessary in output, for example. Um, So to the extent we don't make the human mind obsolete. Hmm. Um, there is no question but what the physical the physical work uh, will increasingly be uh, reduced.
0: Hmm. Interesting, and uh, so we are almost at the, the tail end of the conversation. So I want to spend some time um, on your position, and and, the, and then and in, and in, in, in personally you. So let's let's talk about um, being a CHRO in an educational institute. So, mm-hmm. from your vantage point, what are some of the tenets or some of some of the successful tenets that has that is helpful for us HR HR leader when it comes to running either uh, a, a U of a big corporation or an educational institute?
1: I think regardless of of uh, the type of organization that you're that you're working with um you you have to develop uh both an understanding and a perspective that looks at the organization holistically uh that that it's not just a bunch of components that have been thrown together or a bunch of people that have been thrown together uh but they are all interrelated um uh I think it's extremely important to be a a an active listener, hmm. uh, and to to open yourself up to new ideas and new perspectives, as well as questions and challenges uh, to the way things are are being done or the way things are are um, the way things are working. Um, and all that it really can be summarized as i think one of the one of the most important characteristics is that you don't want to be the smartest person in the room even mm. if you are the smartest person in the room interesting you want to learn from people even if even if what they're telling you is is maybe not um not exactly the right perspective, or the right idea, or the right road to to go down, because there's something that is inspiring that thought. And so I tried to be I tried to be those things, and and tried to cultivate those characteristics in myself.
0: Interesting. So, uh, and so one more thing that I I I want a perspective on 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 your role um, is. Your uh, ability or your, your ability to respond to innovation, right? So HR is a role that's very, very closely tagged with the culture of preserve and protect the culture of, of an institution or an organization. And from there on, bring that and then use technology uh, to empower uh, the future or sort of create sort of better horizon for the company. So that means when you say preserve and protect the culture and you talk about innovation, they're like two... Sort of not very, uh, not on the same coin many times. So, how as you as a leader would would perceive innovation? Like, what are some of some of some of the ways you you sort of either embrace it, or what are some of the some of your thoughts or hacks that you use um, to recruit innovation? Um, well,
1: l- let me first say that that, and if I if I characterized it this way, I, I didn't mean to. I, I believe hmm. that that HR is a a keeper of the employment culture, mm. um, not necessarily a preserver of the employment culture, um, and and by that I I, I really mean that that uh, we want to keep a culture that that looks forward to. Um, or at least embraces the inevitable change that the future changes that the future will bring um, and whether we are whether we're talking about um, being a higher ed institution where it is important that a component of our education is to prepare people. For those those future changes, or whether uh, in my role as uh, uh, as an HR leader, um, to to identify people who who have that vision of the future is inevitable, and and. Me as an employee, I am going to embrace that future, mm. uh, and and do my darndest to contribute uh, to that future. Um, I, you know, I think that's I, I, I think that's what what my role is mm. is to is, is to identify people and sometimes to educate those people certainly the the
0: employees
1: who are are part of the the culture uh, before I may help to make the selection or even after helping make the selection uh, to to educate them that uh, their success is dependent on their willingness to meet the future and meet it head on
0: interesting well said so um let's let's talk about you so in your journey so far if i would say what are say some of the tenets of your success so far like what are some of the things that you really hold uh, dear onto and that has helped you uh, be be successful in your journey if if you can if you can if you share if you can share some some insights on that uh well,
1: i i think um uh, I, I think very much like I said before, it is, uh, uh, it is a willingness to see the big picture, to understand the organization um, holistically. I think it is to never lose sight of the fact that, that my objective or the objective of my department is to work with people. And um uh at the end of uh, of any work, work process, uh project, whatever, it's about the people and the relationships that they have with each other that defines that defines the success of the organization. I also recognize my own limitations, the limitations of my knowledge, or the limitations of, of of my experience, and and never lose try or try to never lose the opportunity to learn from somebody who does have those experiences or does have insights on a particular on a particular issue. So I think that the the key to success, and I, I would say that that's true for for most people hmm. the key to being successful is is to understand that that uh you can't be at all and you don't have the final say
0: interesting so one more thing we ask all of our guests um speaker is about their favorite read uh, any particular book that they recommend our, listen, our listeners and viewers uh, do you have any recommendation that you want to share with us
1: I, I, one of the, one of my, one of my favorite books, and I refer to it, um, uh, fairly often is, uh, is called Lincoln on leadership, uh, by, uh, Donald Phillips. What's interesting about that is that, um, uh, in, in Lincoln's time, I, I think you. I think you. First of all, under, begin to understand that problems are problems are problems. No matter what generation <laughs> those problems are occurring, <clears throat> some problems are just bigger than others. You know, having a ha, running a country in the middle of a civil war is is usually a bigger problem than which tie do I wear today. Um, but what what's really what's really interesting about that is that Lincoln himself recognized uh that the value and importance of relationships and his role in those relationships in developing those relationships in um, uh cultivating them uh and in and in some cases, in exploiting those relationships. Um, mm. Extremely, uh, I think, extremely important um, uh, concepts if you read between the lines of of, of that book.
0: Interesting. Interesting. So uh, with that, uh, we're at the end of the conversation. And, and Scott, uh, thank you so, so much for being so candid and so open with your time and, and, and walking us through your journey, walking us through some of the interesting perspectives of uh, creating a learning organization, what all it takes and what are sort of the fabric of that. Uh, before we part ways, I, def- I certainly want uh, your closing remark for our listeners and, 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 and viewers who are listening to this conversation. What would they take away uh, from, 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 from whatever they have heard so far?
1: To all of you out there, the future is a big, dark, sometimes scary room Mm. don't make me go in there alone. That's what I would leave you
0: with. Nice. Nice. That's intense. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, with that, Scott, uh, thank you so much for your time. You're always welcome back on the podcast uh, uh, to share your journey. Wish you nothing but success in your role. And we would be looking um, looking forward to some interesting work from your your end as well. And thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Vishal. This has been a tremendous pleasure. And I wish to you and, and all of the participants in your uh, site the same thing. Uh, much success and uh, courage as you, uh, <laughs> as you move forward.
0: Thank you. Uh.